You are listening to Perplexity. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Perplexity, a mystery podcast. I'm your host, Kadra, and I have a very exciting and wild story for you guys today. This is going to be a disappearance, potentially true crime case. But before we get into that, we are at the top of the show. So a couple of quick housekeeping things. I'll make them fast, I promise. This is going to be my last September episode before we get into October. And for me, October means spooky Halloween. So for the next several weeks after this, it's going to be, you know, spooky episodes, paranormal episodes. And I want to let you guys know, I have some great stuff planned. I have also decided I'm going to bring back the no sleep episodes as bonuses. Those are going to be podcast exclusives though, meaning they will not be on YouTube. So go to Spotify or go to Apple or wherever you get your podcasts to listen to those creepy no sleep episodes. Also, before we get started, I got a really interesting message from a listener on my Lake Lanier episode, and I just thought that this was so interesting. I had to share. They gave me permission. So this comes from a listener named Mitchell Cole, and Mitchell says, Hello, I live in Gainesville, Georgia, which is also part of Lake Lanier. I live about a quarter mile from Forsyth County. The lake covers five counties, and the stories of supernatural events are accurate. I myself have witnessed the Lady of the Lake. I was driving home from a friend's house late one night when I was approaching the Jerry D. Jackson Bridge where they lost their lives. And this listener is referring to the two women, Delia and Susan, that were in the car that crashed and flew off the bridge. Then Mitchell says, As I got closer to the bridge, I noticed a blue silhouette of a female, and I noticed she had no hands. As I drove past her, she disappeared in my mirrors. So spooky. I had chills and I was trying to get myself together about what I had seen. To this very day, I will have the vision of Delia in my mind. I'll never forget that night. So I just wanted to share that. I thought that was so cool and creepy and I love hearing from you guys. So thank you so much, Mitchell, for writing that. Okay, so... Today, we are going to be talking about Tom Young and Keith Reinhard. And this story is just, wow. (laughs) Everyone, grab your seatbelts, buckle in, because this should be a mystery novel or a action thriller movie. Like, this should not be real life, but this actually happened. Everything I'm about to tell you is completely true. And then we'll get into a bunch of different theories as to what could have happened at the end. Trigger warning for today's episode. This episode may contain content that will be considered disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners below the age of 13. And all of the sources that I used for today's episode will be available in the show notes. Our story takes place in 1987 in a sleepy little town called Silver Plume, Colorado. 
And this is a super, super small town. Even today, they have just over 200 residents. And this town has actually been nicknamed the Living Ghost Town. It's nested in the middle of the mountains. It's very scenic, um, but it's very small and there's not much to do at all. So it's a great place to just get away and hike, enjoy the beautiful nature. And since it's a small town, it has that everybody knows everybody vibe. Uh, and also in the winter, they get very little sunlight. So in this tiny town of Silver Plume, Colorado, there once lived a man named Tom Young. Young was an army vet and he lived with his dog, Gus. He kept to himself, he was a pretty shy guy, but he absolutely adored his dog, Gus. Gus was like his best friend. He took him everywhere with him. And Tom Young ran this small bookshop and he would take Gus to the bookshop with him even on work days. So Gus was constantly by Tom Young's side. So in 1987, Tom Young, this longtime resident at Silver Plume, starts telling some of his friends, you know, I really want some time away. I think I'm gonna take a few weeks and I'm gonna go see the world. I'm gonna go to Europe and I'm even gonna take Gus with me. He plans to be in Europe for three weeks and he seems to really be looking forward to it. So on September 7th, 1987, Tom Young ended his day at work at the bookstore and he closed up and walked out with Gus by his side. So the residents in Silver Plume, you know, don't see Young for a few weeks and, you know, they're thinking he's in Europe with Gus, they're living it up, they're sightseeing. But by the time it's October, people start to realize now it's been at least a month since Tom Young left for Europe. So people in the town of Silver Plume start to worry and they haven't heard or seen from Young at all. So October 2nd, Tom Young was officially declared a missing person. Police investigated, but months went by and there were absolutely no leads. It was like Young completely vanished without a trace. So then Ted Parker, the owner of the building that Young ran his bookshop out of, he basically had this whole duplex there. He had a cafe in it. And then Tom Young had the bookshop, right? So Ted Parker, you know, knows that Young is missing. And he also happens to be friends with this guy named Keith Reinhard. So Ted Parker calls his friend Keith Reinhard to catch up. They had grown up together. They were longtime best friends. And Reinhard was a sports writer living in Chicago, and he worked for the Daily Herald. Reinhard was just 49 years old, and he was newly married to a woman named Carolyn. And he also had two children. He had a great marriage by all accounts and was very in love with Carolyn. And he also loved being a father. But it seems like he was kind of burned out from his job. I mean, he had been there for 23 years. And he was also about to turn 50. There were things that he really wanted to do in life that he hadn't gotten to do yet. And he told many of his friends about this. He also felt like he was kind of needing a break from the hustle and bustle and just wanted to get away from the city, which, I mean, who among us? We all need a break every now and then. So Ted Parker is on the phone with Keith Reinhardt, and Ted is telling Keith about Silver Plume and just how scenic it is, how few people there are, 
how relaxing it is and just the beautiful nature and sights and sounds and Keith Reinhardt is like, wow, that sounds like exactly what I need right now. I'm gonna go visit you in Silver Plume. Heck, I'm gonna take three months off work and I'm just gonna stay there for a couple of months. So that's exactly what Reinhard did. He talked to his job and he had been there a really long time. He was a respected worker, so they approved his three months of leave and he left his job of 23 years. He tells his wife as well, and she agreed to this. She was very supportive and was like, take all the time you need, we'll talk on the phone. And they also planned to have a visit together. She was gonna come out and see him in August. Reinhard also planned to write a novel while he was out there. He had been wanting to write for a long time, but he didn't really know what he wanted to write about yet, and he just wanted to clear his head to basically figure out what could inspire this novel. So in June of 1988, Reinhardt arrived in Silverplume. He even rented out the old bookshop that Young used to own, and he turned it into an antique shop. So Tom Young's shop is now no more, and Keith Reinhardt moves into the same building. He figured he could run this business while he was there, you know, selling little antiques, and that he would probably attract some good summer tourists, make some extra money, and he would use that money to help support his time out there while he was writing his novel. And with this being a small town, it doesn't take long for Reinhardt to hear about Tom Young's disappearance. It's like the hottest news in town everybody's talking about. It's not long before Reinhard gets word that he's running a shop where a guy that worked day in and day out has just vanished. And when Reinhard finds out about this, he's very intrigued. He was like, tell me everything. I want to hear every detail. And the more he learned about Tom Young, he decided to base the character and his novel off of him. He was going to kind of be like a mix between himself and Tom Young. He named the character Guy Gypsum. And as Reinhardt began to develop a plot for his novel, he started venturing around Silver Plume, talking to people, because he really wanted to understand who Tom Young was. He wanted to be in his shoes and be sure that he could bring this character to life. And Reinhardt was really enjoying his time in Silver Plume. He fell in love with the town. He started to talk about his wife even eventually moving out there with him, and they were gonna move there permanently. His dream was to continue running this antique shop during the summer. So the next month, July 31st, 1988, two hunters discovered a skeleton nearby Silver Plume in the Pendleton Mountains. The remains were found propped up against a tree, and there was a clear bullet wound in the head. Just a few feet away were the skeletal remains of a dog that also had a bullet wound in its head. Next to the dog, there was also a pistol and a backpack. And these remains would later be identified as Tom Young and his dog, Gus. So nearly 10 months after his disappearance, Tom Young's remains had finally been found. So an investigation ensues and the police find out that the pistol was purchased by Tom Young just four days prior to his disappearance. The police then developed a theory. They basically were like, okay, Tom Young must have been depressed, he must have been suicidal, and he bought this gun and made up a story so people wouldn't go looking for him, and then he went out into the wilderness 
and he, you know, he was a local, so he went to a place that he knew people wouldn't frequent very often, and he went up there to end his life. The police basically saw this case as open and shut. Here's the problem, though. Like I mentioned earlier, Tom Young absolutely adored his dog, and his family and friends were absolutely adamant. They were like, there is no way in hell that he would have hurt his dog. He would have left him at the house or with a friend if he was going to do that to himself. It just doesn't make any sense at all. So despite Tom Young's family and friends strongly suspecting foul play, the police didn't listen, and they quickly gave up on looking into this case. They ruled it a suicide, and the coroner did as well. And Keith Reinhardt gets word of this, and so he is again super fascinated by these findings, and he decides that he needs to learn more. And Reinhardt, as he was writing his novel, he was already kind of like method acting a little bit. He was trying to better understand Tom Young, so he would, you know, talk to a lot of his friends and try to like get into character basically. So he starts to try to walk in Tom Young's footsteps more and more to better understand the mindset he might have been in leading up to his disappearance. So on August 7th, Keith Reinhardt tells some friends he's going to hike up to Pendleton Mountain, where Young disappeared. And Keith's friends thought this was kind of strange, because Keith didn't really like the outdoors. He wasn't experienced in the wilderness. Like, it just wasn't his thing. But he knew that Tom Young loved the outdoors, and he regularly hiked. So it would make sense that he would want to go do this if he's trying to method act. And also, multiple sources that I read did mention that Keith Reinhardt had like this big fear of heights, and that part of why he came out to Silver Plume is because he wanted to overcome his fears, he wanted to be in the wilderness more, he also wanted to lose weight, so he had started to climb mountains. So Reinhardt had allegedly gone climbing and hiking in this area several times, and he had made this hike before, but he had never made the hike alone, and he had never gone all the way to the top. The last time that Keith Reinhardt made this hike, he tried to go to the top, but he was unsuccessful because he started getting really bad vertigo, so he had to turn back. And it's not like he was intentionally trying to go on his own. Keith did actually invite several people to go with him, but nobody wanted to. So one day he closes up his antique shop, it's like 2.30pm, and Reinhard walked around the town for a little bit, and while he's walking around, he told several people of his plan to go hike. By the time it was 4 o'clock, Keith stopped and talked to his friend Ted Parker at the cafe. He told him that he was headed out for a hike, and the trek from the bottom of Mount Pendleton to the top should take an average of six hours for a hiker, which would mean if he's leaving at 4 p.m., he wouldn't reach the top until like 10 o'clock at night. So definitely like a weird time to be going hiking, you do not want to be out there when it's dark. The terrain on this hike was also very rough with vegetation and loose rocks, and the elevation at the top of Mount Pendleton was over 12,000 feet. So it just seems very strange that he's going out and doing this. And it's not like he was going to do this little hike and then just turn around before it got dark. Keith 
allegedly told Ted that he planned to climb all the way to the top. But then he also told Ted Parker if he wasn't home by 10 p.m. to call the rescue. So it's just like it doesn't make sense. If he's done this hike before, I know he hasn't gone all the way to the top, but he should know an idea of how long it's going to take. So, like, if he was to go all the way to the top and come back down, it'd be, like, at least four or five in the morning before he got back. So, just really weird. So, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he didn't realize that it was going to take this long, but Reinhard also didn't have any equipment with him. He just had the clothes on his back. He was wearing a t-shirt, like a red and black flannel shirt, you know, like every white man in the world owns. And he had blue jeans and tennis shoes. So this would indicate to me that he just planned to go hiking. He wasn't going to do like any kind of climbing. And he probably didn't plan for the hike to take very long, like he had told Ted. Keith Reinhardt was also hung over from a party he had attended the night before when he went on this hike. So on the morning of August 8th, Keith Reinhardt had still not returned home. So he left for this hike around 4, 4.30 p.m. on August 7th. No one had heard from him, and so a large search and rescue team, known as the Alpine Rescue Team, sent out about 200 people to help in this search. The search team scoured Pendleton Mountain for several days. They had volunteers, detection dogs, they even had helicopters to get more of a bird's eye view of everything. The police also searched Reinhardt's rental home to see if they could find any clues or understand, you know, what could have happened to him. So they go inside, they're looking around, and after a bit of poking between the rooms, they found Reinhardt's manuscript for the novel that he had been working on that was, you know, a mix between Tom Young and himself. And they start reading it, and they find the last thing that Reinhardt wrote in this manuscript before he disappeared. Remember, the main character's name is Guy Gypsum. So this reads, quote, Guy Gypsum changed into some hiking boots and donned a heavy tunnel shirt. He understood it all now and his motivations. Guy closed the door and then walked off towards the lush, shadowless Colorado forest above. So then the police look around some more and then they find a newspaper on his desk with the headline, Tom Young's Body Found, along with another note on Reinhardt's computer that read, Oh God, I want to wander. I want to wander till I die, with the mountains as my living room, my only roof, the sky. Keith Reinhard. And again, the police gather this evidence and they think Reinhard must have completed suicide. But to me, this isn't enough evidence to think that at all. You know, people write things all the time, just inspired or getting into character. This doesn't mean that he would have done anything. It also doesn't say anything about his mental headspace. Reinhard's daughter, Tiffany, also would later admit that Reinhard talked to her on the phone all the time about Tom Young's disappearance constantly, and she said that he seemed obsessed with it. But again, like, I can definitely relate to that. As a podcaster, there's stories that I get obsessed with and I go down rabbit holes about, and That doesn't mean that anything's awry, you know? So, weird thing, on August 11th, a Cessna plane that was actually helping with the search 
crashed on Pendleton Mountain, and the pilot that was flying the plane died. His name was Terry Leedens, so he died on impact. Very tragic, very strange. And by mid-August 1989, the search was called off for Keith Reinhardt, and to this day, Keith Reinhardt has never been found. Nothing. Again, like Tom Young, it was just like he up and vanished without a trace. This was a huge story in the media, too. It was a big deal in the community, of course, as well. But it spread around the U.S. like wildfire because this guy was a family man. He had a great career. He was an excellent writer, you know, talented guy. And he just disappeared after very mysterious circumstances, obviously, as well, with the whole thing with Tom Young. Not to mention, and this part I think is so weird, this was the first time when Keith Reinhardt disappeared, this was the first time in 30 years, three decades, that the Alpine rescue team was not able to find someone in that area that had been declared missing. Everyone else that had ever gone missing from these mountains, they were able to find, or at least find like their remains. They couldn't find a single shred of evidence that could indicate where he had gone. So what the hell happened to Tom Young and Keith Reinhardt? Let's get into some theories. So I first want to preface this by saying there are tons of theories actually about this case. And I'm going to talk about a lot of them, but I'm sure there's some that I'm not going to be getting into because there's just so many. But some people believe Reinhardt's disappearance and alleged death could have been some type of accident. Silver Plume was a major area for mining, and there were a lot of abandoned mine shafts in the area. So some people are like, well, maybe he's never been found because he fell into a mine shaft, or maybe he fell off of some weird area of the mountain into like a sinkhole or a cave and he couldn't be located. After all, people to this day are still discovering ancient artifacts in caves all the time. Um, or you hear those stories of like people breaking apart a wall and finding a body inside. Like it's certainly possible. Some people think that Reinhard may have staged his disappearance, gone off to start a new life somewhere. Other people think he could have completed suicide up on the mountain, maybe gotten to like a dark headspace after he had been covering Tom Young's disappearance, and maybe he was, you know, burned out with work and everything. But if that's the case, where the hell is his body? It sounds like Alpine Rescue knows what they're doing. If 30 years had passed and they had managed to find everyone but not this guy, nothing, no evidence. Like, I'm just not buying the suicide theory. He also sent an email to his boss at the Daily Herald a week before his disappearance, asking about a story he wanted to cover when he returned. And his wife had also booked a flight and had plans to come visit him the week after he disappeared. So, you know, he's making all of these plans. He had a job lined up. He was making friends in the area. His wife's about to come into town. It's just, it's not adding up. But other sources I read said he was having financial issues, the antique business wasn't doing as well as he thought it was going to, and he was having writer's block. So, I don't know. 
Reinhard's wife strongly rejected these suicide theories, and she found it really odd that Reinhard didn't take his camera with him. She said he would always take it with him because he really enjoyed photographing the beautiful scenery there. His camera was later recovered from his home, and the photographs were analyzed for potential evidence, but they didn't find anything. So another theory, the night before Reinhard disappeared, I had mentioned he had gone to a party and, you know, he had been hiking the next day and was hungover from that party. So this party was at Ted Parker's building and he was allegedly seen talking to a woman named either Gretchen or Greta. And apparently they were talking all night long. No one recognized the woman and people speculated well, maybe he grew an attraction to this woman. Maybe he wanted to do something spontaneous and he ran off with her. I don't know. But nothing seemed to have ever come from this theory. Some sources I read claimed that the police were able to track this woman down and she was apparently a resident from Denver, but there was nothing that came from this interview they had with either Gretchen or Greta. Reinhard also allegedly told his friends shortly after he disappeared that he really wanted to visit West Virginia. So some people were like, maybe he ran off there, or maybe he even disappeared as a publicity stunt for his novel. There is also a theory that Keith Reinhardt's method acting got to the point where he wanted to stay out hiding in the woods. And after that Cessna plane crashed, maybe he felt guilty and was like, oh my gosh, I've been hiding out in the woods and now I have blood on my hands, so there's no way I can return to town. So that's another theory. I don't buy it at all. It makes no sense. Other people speculate he could have been killed by a wild animal or even abducted by aliens or Bigfoot. And then we get into, finally, the foul play theories. In the case of Tom Young, we know that he bought a gun four days prior to his disappearance. However, according to the media, the bullet found in Tom Young's skull was either never tested by ballistics or it was tested and it was not connected to Tom Young's gun. There are differing reports on this. Allegedly, there was also a tarp found draped over Tom Young's body. So like, he couldn't have killed himself and draped a tarp over himself. You know, obviously. And it's unlikely that someone just walked by and saw him and draped a tarp over him to be respectful and didn't report it to the police, in my opinion. Some people, including Reinhardt's son and daughter, believe that Tom Young could have been murdered. And then whoever was responsible for Young's murder saw Reinhardt popping around town, asking all these questions, and essentially investigating, and they decided that Reinhard had to go too. Maybe he found something that he wasn't supposed to find. I mean, Tom Young and Keith Reinhard both worked in the same building. Maybe Young had something sketchy hidden there that Reinhard had found. So as you can see, there's tons of different theories here. Another related theory comes from a man named Mike Eccles, who wrote a book about illegal nuclear waste dumping that was allegedly going on in Silver Plume. So 
This is all alleged, but Eccles claims that there were these trucks that would show up and dump this illegal nuclear waste in these abandoned mine shafts. And when Eccles found out about this, he just couldn't keep this secret to himself. So wouldn't you know, Eccles confided in his friend, Tom Young. If Young would have been trying to expose this, he could have been murdered. And perhaps Reinhard found out about this too and was planning to expose this, which would have put a target on his back. But if that's the case, why wasn't Mike Eccles harmed? So a couple of follow-ups here. In April of 1998, Unsolved Mysteries aired a story about a man found in Wyoming by the name of Pat Brown. Some people believed he may have been Keith Reinhardt as they shared a physical resemblance. But the man was later identified as Carl Brodnick, a resident of Indiana. Sadly, in November of 2001, Keith Reinhardt's son Sven died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Keith has also since then been legally declared dead. And keep this carbon monoxide thing in mind, because we're going to come back to this in just a second. There is a documentary that's been worked on for a long time now. It's not out yet. It's currently in post-production, but it's called Dark Side of the Mountain, and it's going to be all about this case. So I am dying for this to come out. I went to their website hoping that it would be coming out soon. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll wait to release this episode so I can see this documentary first, but there's no release date. So um, if you guys hear about when it comes out, let me know. But their website has some incredible photos surrounding the case, and it seems like it's gonna be very well done. In 2021, two hikers on Pendleton Mountain were shooting footage for a college film and came across Keith Reinhardt's wallet. Which again leads me to believe that he didn't disappear on his own volition. Very weird. Like, nothing else was found there, just his wallet. 33 years later. And it was perfectly intact, there were no other belongings. Very, very strange. The film that the two hikers were working on has now turned into a documentary on Keith Reinhardt's disappearance, and it's said to feature shocking new evidence. In 2022, this comment was posted on unsolved.com. The comment reads, Looking forward to the new documentary, Dark Side of the Mountain, which may shed some light on what happened. In the process of filming, they claim to have found Keith's wallet on Pendleton Mountain, but not a body. I am personally of the belief that Keith's death was also a suicide, and I believe the thing that connects the two is carbon monoxide poisoning. Back in the 80s, no one knew that it was associated with causing suicidal behavior. But a study published in 2021 associated with CO buildup in the cabin of Ford Expeditions and Explorers showed that cops driving those cars had a shockingly high rate of suicide if their cabins had CO building up leaking into the ventilation system from the engine. I believe the two men, both leasing the same space and spending a lot of their time during the day without realizing it, may have been under the influence of CO poisoning. No one had CO detectors in homes and businesses back then, and it was a big problem. The acute toxicity leads to apoxia and death, 
Subtle CO poisoning causes brain dysfunctions similar to people suffering from TBIs. Perhaps the researchers could find out what kind of heating-slash-boiler system their office used back in 1987 to rule in or out this possibility. End quote. So I thought that was a really interesting theory, and then also just super weird that Keith Reinhardt's son Sven died from CO poisoning in 2021. So that, everybody, is the insane story of the disappearances of Tom Young and Keith Reinhardt. So what do you guys think happened to these two men? Let me know your theories down in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube or if you are listening on the podcast. I still really want to hear your input. So send me an email or a DM on Instagram or reply in the Q&As below if you're listening on Spotify. Also, let me know what you want to hear next. And if you have a spooky listener story, send that baby in. I would really love some spooky stories to read for October. Remember those ways to support the podcast, leave reviews, tell your friends, tell your family, tell the world, and hit that subscribe button, please and thank you. You all are amazing. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and I will see you for spooky Halloween next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Perplexity, a mystery podcast hosted, written, and produced by Kadra Brennan. If you enjoyed today's episode, tell the world about it by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leaving a five-star review. It helps the show more than you know. Contact, support, and merch links can be found in the episode description. And if you have a story to share or a topic request, send an email to perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail.com. Kadra would love to read your story on the podcast. Until next week, stay curious.